All right, Acts chapter 19, and if you were with us last week, we began here, and in the first few verses, we see that Paul uh, goes to the city called Ephesus, and he goes there and he finds uh, believers, and he realizes something not quite right, and he talks about how they've been filled uh, with the Holy Spirit, and how important and vital that is, and how we see that they weren't, and so how Paul laid hands on them, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we had a great response last week of people really... uh, understanding and following and obeying the word of God and coming to Jesus to be filled. And we're going to pick up the story as Paul's still in Ephesus. And we're going to, it's an interesting one. So let's read the text here this morning. This is Acts 19. We're going to read from verses 8 to 20. And he, that's Paul, entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that's Christianity, before the congregation, he, that's Paul, withdrew from them and took the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them, And the evil spirits came out of them. Just incredible. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, or I command you, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And seven sons of a Jewish high priest named uh, Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. The Bible is so boring, isn't it? It's like, you realize this is even in here? (laughs) And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, no kidding, both Jews and Greeks. And fear, that's understandable, fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Rough estimate, about $6 million in our day. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Woo-wee! All right. So as I said, that's an interesting passage, but it's more than just interesting. Folks, this is real life, okay? And this morning, we're going to take a look at some of the things of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, that we're going to encounter things like this, and so we want to be aware and prepared. So let's do some background, and then we'll get into some of the application here this morning. So let's pray. Let's ask for God's help with this. And so, Father in heaven, again, we want to thank you for your written word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit joined with men to record it, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, today. You're the Spirit of truth, that you're the one who teaches. So we welcome you here now, and we ask you, you'd speak through me, and we pray for hearts that are open to understand, apply, respond, obey, submit to your word for your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So first of all, let's just talk about a tale of two kingdoms. And we see this. Paul said, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Okay? So let's just talk a, 
Again, we're kind of just setting sort of a context to get into what took place. And we understand from Paul that one of the things he did when he went, and again, remember Christianity uh, is still a new thing as Jesus has returned to heaven. He's given his Holy Spirit. The disciples have gone out. Paul, who was Saul, was you know, against Christianity, and he meets Jesus, has this incredible conversion, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And now one who was persecuting Christ is now going for Jesus. And now he's preaching about Jesus, and he's establishing churches. And one of the things he talked about a lot was the kingdom of God. And we understand that because if you know anything about Jesus, and if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. So it's understandable that Paul would speak boldly for three months okay, about the kingdom of God because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about Jesus. Because the kingdom of God, Jesus said when he came, okay, he came and just as Gary said, he was born of a virgin, so he's born of a different lineage than everybody else. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He lived this perfect life. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came down. God the Father spoke, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. And then from that point on, he was spirit-led. He was led into the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan, but he said no. And he was led here, and he did this. And Jesus began to teach with authority the things of God, and people were amazed. And Jesus began to do this. And a third of what you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is this. He cast out demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits. So we begin to see, okay, and we pick it up in movies all the time, don't we? We pick it up in Star Wars. My kids are in the Star Wars at the moment. And you realize... There's good and there's evil. That's, all, that's as far as I'll go with the Star Wars analogy because that gets into a whole other thing. But you get the gist. Good, evil. And there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and Jesus, everywhere he went, he said the kingdom of God is now at hand or the kingdom of God is now near or the kingdom of God is now here. And Jesus came and in his teaching with authority and with his authority of the Holy Spirit, brought about the kingdom of God. And what do we mean by the kingdom of God? Simply this, okay? It's the rule and reign of God here on planet Earth. But it's not just, it's not like other sort of kingdoms that are concerned about geography and land, and it's a different type of war and a different type of battle. It's not about geography and land. It's about people, and it's about hearts and lives. And who are we going to serve? And who are we going to worship? And who are we going to obey? And who are we going to live for? Both now and for eternity. And Jesus came, planet earth, and what he did, both in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his kingly rule now, he ushered in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we read those passages, and it's great. As we come to Christmas, we recognize those passages, one of them from Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, his name shall be called Emmanuel. Keep going. You guys haven't got your Christmas stuff out yet, do you? <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful counselor. There you go. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says this, and the government and the peace shall be upon his shoulders and it shall be ever increasing. Okay? Everlasting and ever increasing. So we think, oh, Jesus and a baby. Oh, isn't that cute, Christmas? Okay. It's warfare. Jesus coming to planet Earth. And we're going to see that. And him living, being obedient to his Father. Okay. It's an everlasting kingdom. We just sang about it this morning. It's all over the place, isn't it? His kingdom will be ever increasing. 
And then how did he teach his disciples? Okay. Your kingdom come. So everything here about the rule and reign of God, if we know this, is Jesus is king. It's his government, but, you, but it's different from our world wars and everything where it's about land and politics and everything. Okay? It's about lives, and it's actually a war about love and worship and glory. Okay? That's what these things are about. And Jesus said this, and we'll keep going, but this is so important. And I think Gary um, already quoted from Isaiah 61 this morning. But Jesus said this in Luke 4. When Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, okay, he went to the synagogue. He, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And he quotes Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners or captives, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus knew what his mandate was. Okay, He was going to proclaim good news to the poor. He was going to proclaim freedom for the captive, for those who are oppressed, recovery of sight to the blind, all those things. That's bringing in the kingdom of God. Okay? It's all kinds of different ways we can talk about it, but it's the rule and the reign and the government and the dominion and the authority of Jesus here on planet Earth. And when Jesus returned after he had conquered sin and death, which we'll talk a little bit more, he said this to the disciples, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth because he conquered sin death and the devil okay that's good news for us today hallelujah but so first point there's a kingdom of god and if we recognize there's a kingdom of god then we also have to recognize the opposite but not equal okay so this is where it gets into i don't like the star wars analogy after this okay because we're not talking about two equal kingdoms here okay we're talking about jesus and his kingdom which is ever increasing and Satan and his kingdom, which is ever decreasing. But there is, the Bible says, the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible uses all kinds of different words to describe Satan, who was real, or the devil. Okay? Jesus said this in John 16. He said he was the ruler of this world. Aaron Moss read out from Ephesians chapter 2 already, where Paul says he's the prince of the power of this air. But you notice how it's all lesser things. Jesus is king. Satan might be a prince. Okay? We have to remember, it's not an equal dualism, two equal powers, and hoping and seeing who's going to win. Okay? Jesus has already won, which we're going to talk about. So we can't be scared of the kingdom of God, but as you just saw in that passage, okay, Satan is powerful. Okay? And we just can't come up with a formula, as these seven sons of Sceva did. Oh, we're going to use the name of Jesus. We don't understand who it is, but it seems to work. Well, guess what? They got beaten up, and they ran out naked, embarrassed. And he's like, wow, we're messing with something greater than we thought. Okay, so we don't want to be fearful of the devil, but we don't want to be ignorant and arrogant as well. Okay, we have a defeated foe, but who's still intelligent, tricky, all those things. So we have to just understand, he's got, okay, Satan is real. We don't have time to get into all of it, but I'm just trying to lay the background so you understand what Paul was doing. So we have a kingdom of God. Jesus is king, ever increasing. He's bringing in his salvation his healing, his release, his deliverance in people's lives. And it's ever increasing. He's going to have a na- all the nations that are going to come to him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We also have a kingdom of darkness. 
that we're still in a battle led by Satan and his demons and his forces that is lesser than God, but still active today. And to use a hockey analogy, okay, because I'm Canadian, I get to do this, okay? The game is won, but a battle continues. And my hockey analogy is this. You can use it for any sport. It's like in hockey, it's the end of the third period, end of the game, and the score is like 1,000 for the good guys and zero for the bad guys. But there's still time left on the clock. Who's going to win the game is not in question. You know, it's like it's impossible to come back. There's just no chance. They're already defeated. And in hockey, what do they do at the end when they know they're already lost? They send out the goons. So we know we've lost, but we're going to try to take out as many guys as we can, even though we know we've lost. And it's not a perfect analogy, but I think you get it. Satan's defeated. Okay, and we're going to talk about that, what Jesus did on the cross. The game is won. When Jesus died on the cross, it is finished. That meant so many different things. It meant the wrath of God was satisfied in him. The penalty for sin was paid. All those things. But it also meant this. We go back and Jody read it out from Genesis 2. When God created Adam and Eve in his image, male and female, he created them. He gave them jobs to do. He gave them governance over planet Earth. He gave them a job. He gave them roles. And when Satan came along and he tricked and he tempted and he lied as he does and Adam and Eve sinned, Satan, the Bible says, usurped Adam and Eve and he became the ruler of this world, the prince or the powers this air. And from that point on, the Bible's really what a history of sin and God being faithful to always bring back a people for himself and he kept promising this. There'll come a day when I'm going to send, as I, we just read in Isaiah, one who's going to save the day. He's going to be our Savior. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the anointed one. And that's what Jesus did. When he came, again, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, so that when we were in Adam, okay, our DNA was sin. Now Jesus broke that line. That's one thing he did. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted, but he didn't give in. So he was the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because he was sacrificed for us, a a lamb without blemish. The day of atonement in the Old Testament, you read it in Leviticus 16. He was the goat. Remember the two goats? We've done this before. He was the goat that was sacrificed. All the sins were placed on the goat and they slaughtered and the blood was shed for atonement. So Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. And then there was another goat who was the scapegoat. Thank you, Daryl. Right on. You get to sit in the front row more often. <laughs> they laid the hands on the second goat. All the sin, all of that was taken out into the desert. The goat was innocent, but became the scapegoat, ran away, took away cleansing of sin as well. All those things came true in Jesus. The penalty of sin, all fall short. The glory of God, there's a penalty paid by Jesus. The great exchange. The innocent for the guilty. And Jesus, who was innocent, took our place. We gave him our guilt before God, and he gave us his righteousness. So we have right standing before God. All those things came true, but this came true as well. Satan, who ruled over planet Earth, sin and death, was conquered at the cross. When Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God, 
Satan was defeated. The power of death was defeated. We don't have to fear dying or death anymore because Jesus has conquered death. We don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore because that line is broken by Jesus. Hallelujah. We don't have to be slaves anymore. He came to release the oppressed. That's the good news. The battle is won. The risen Christ is won. And now, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we confess Him as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins. When we say, Jesus, You are now Lord of my life. You are now King. I no longer King of my kingdom. Now I submit to You and I follow You. We are now in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then what happened to Christ is now available to us. And now we're anointed, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus to do the things of God for the kingdom of God. Guys, we've got to wake up to that reality. We have to understand who we are in Christ. We have to understand that we're anointed with the Holy Spirit. We talked about it last week. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's great because you get assurance of God. You've got the love of God. You've got all those things, spiritual gifts. But now you have boldness to recognize we're in a battle for people's lives, for the glory of God. And now we're aware. We wake up to the reality. Hey, the game might be over, but we're still in a battle. And Satan wants to take us out. Okay? Because Jesus said this about Satan in John 10. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And Jesus compared Satan to himself. I'm the good shepherd who's come to give you life, to give you abundant life. And the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So we have to be aware, and this is what we're going to talk about next, but you've got to understand the background. Two kingdoms happening. The kingdom of God, okay, the kingdom of darkness. God's greater, but we're still in a battle here today, even though the end result is already taken for us. And the reality is spiritual warfare. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. I'm so glad that Luke put in extraordinary miracles. That means regular miracles. I think we can go for those ones, and we'll worry about the extraordinary ones later. That gives me a lot of hope. Okay, We have to just recognize we're in three battles. You'll hear us talk about this all the time, but it's so vital to understand Folks, if I don't say it enough, can I just stop and say this again? You've got to realize the world we live in, there's a spiritual element to it. Okay, so being here at university and everything, like you've got to recognize, okay, there's life as we know it, okay, but there's a spiritual battle going on, and it's real, okay? So what we just read this morning Hey, it's not just a figment of imagination history. It's not just a good story, folks. There's a spiritual element to our lives. And whether you know it or not, there is. And if you've got eyes to see it, you'll see it. And part of teaching here this morning, and this is what's so great about going through the Bible, you can't jump over these things. It's right there. <laughs> so you've got to talk about it. There's a real spiritual component to life. And we battle three things. We battle the world. And so let me just give you a definition of what I mean by that. You've got to understand these things, okay? Because it's really important so you know you got the right tools for the right battle. The world, let's just define it as this. It's the whole system of the world's philosophy and culture that does not acknowledge God. So, let me give you an example of the world. 
Basically, every commercial you see on TV is the world's way of doing things. If you pick any commercial, and it's going to tell you, this is how you're going to be happy, this is how you should live your life, this is what you should value, this is what you should prioritize, and if you have this, then your life will be better. And so we talk about it all the time. The world has a way of saying why education is important. You've heard me say it before. The world says you value education because if you get educated, then you can get a good job. And if you get a good job, what does that mean? You can have lots of money. And if you have lots of money, what does that mean? You can buy lots of stuff. And if you buy lots of stuff, what will you be? Happy. Now you understand advertising. There's a lesson in 101 in advertising. The world tells you, if you do this, this, and this, then you'll be happy. The world will tell you your goal in life is to be happy. And we counter that with what? We counter that with the word of God. The goal of our life is to glorify and please God. And the Bible says if you do that, then guess what? You'll be happy. Okay, so that's just the world. You've got to battle the world with the word of God. Okay, the world's going to tell you this. You need to do this. You need to look this way. You need to dress this way. You need to act this way. You need this car. You need this, 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 and this. And then you'll be happy. And you counter it with saying, well, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm content in God. I'm content at being in Christ. I'm content how God has saved me and made me this way. Do you understand that one? Okay, that's a whole other sermon. But just be, we battle the flesh. Okay, we battle the flesh. We talked about this at the men's weekend. We talked about it last year at the women's weekend. Okay? The flesh is when we get saved, okay, the old nature that was in Adam that we couldn't help but sin is broken. We've become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything has become new. So our lineage, we used to be in Adam. Our DNA was sin. Now we're in Christ. We receive a new nature. Our DNA is now Christ. Hallelujah. That's good news. So it's possible not to sin. That's great news. He came to release the oppressed. He came to set us free. But we battle the flesh. And it's a hard one to describe. Okay? Sometimes you can describe it. You know, it's all those things, your memories and all that. It's that way of life you used to live before you became a Christian. Okay, God just doesn't hit control, alt, delete. He doesn't hit the reset button. Zap. You've got no memories of the past. You have to learn now to live out a new life. But God gives you his Holy Spirit to help that. But there's always going to be your flesh that craves to satisfy selfish you, okay, or me, that goes against the Holy Spirit. And Don did a great job with the men's just saying, the answer is, okay, you've got to fall in love with Jesus, and by the help of his Holy Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, then you do not satisfy the desires of the flesh. But you don't say, you don't look at the, at the flesh, no, 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 you turn, and you're led by the Spirit. Now, folks, most of our battles as Christians are going to be this. are going to be against the world and the flesh. And you've got to pick, make sure you pick the right tools to battle which one. But there's also a third one as well, is that we battle the devil, we battle demons, we battle the demonic. And if you don't discern and understand which one you're battling and what tools God's provided, you're going to be very frustrated. So many Christians live very defeated, in bondage and all that, a lot of times it's because we apply the wrong tools to the situation because we haven't discerned what's going on. So Tyler being a doctor, you go to him with a bad back, he's going to try to figure out what 
is the root issue. Were you in a car accident? Are your hamstrings too tight that, you know, you're walking around like this? Well, let's fix your hamstrings. And then guess what? Your back feels better. But maybe you're in a car accident. Maybe you need physio. There could be all kinds of different reasons for it. You've got to discern what the root issue is. And folks, it's the same in the Christian life. We can battle a lot of things. Is it the world? What's your thinking like? Tell me, what do you value? What do you believe in? What are you taking into your life? You've got to renew your mind by the word of God. That's how you battle the world. Your flesh, what's this? let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's rejoice. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And guess what? Those desires are satisfied in Jesus, not in that. And then sometimes we battle okay, the demonic, where we've opened ourselves up somewhere along the way to Satan having access to our life. And that one, okay, you can memorize the Word of God, you can try to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all that, but if you don't have the right tool to deal with the demonic, you're going to be very frustrated. So again, this is not to scare you, this is to educate us. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of what's going on. So sometimes we can give footholds. Okay, Paul says other places, don't give Satan a foothold. Just a little bit so he can get in there, that he can continue on or open doors so that we don't give Satan access to our lives. Okay, so try to follow me on this one, okay? Because it's a bit hard to understand. I'm going to try to give you some examples here. Okay, if you look in the Old Testament, God set up with his people, the Israelites, he set up, and it goes back, you can read it in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, he set up blessings and curses. And he said, if you obey me and if you follow me, you're going to be blessed. And he gave all the blessings. But he also said this, if you don't obey me and you worship other gods, I'm going to remove my hand of protection and you're going to be open for bad things to happen. And if you, you read all the curses, here's all the curses. And a lot of them can be summarized right here. Okay. And he says, I'm going to remove my hand of protection and bad things are going to happen. And we follow in the New Testament. Okay. Before we become Christians, things can happen to us that we do or things done to us that can open a door for Satan and his demons to have access to us. After we become Christians, okay, so we have to deal with that, and that's why when we become Christians, we try to help people get, you know, go sort of a bit of an inventory of their life to help them get cleaned up so they don't bring all this stuff in with them. But even as Christians, when we sin or things have done to us, we can open the door whether we know it or not. And again, it's not to scare us. It's just to be aware that sometimes, you know what? I'm battling this, and I just don't quite understand it, and I've done everything I know how to do to battle the world and the flesh. And sometimes we, through discernment, just through experience, sometimes through the spiritual gift of discernment, you begin to understand, okay, we've got a different problem here. We need a different tool to deal with this situation. And a lot of times, Satan gets a foothold through idolatry. And you you know my definition of idolatry. You give an idol a try. Sounds corny, but it's true. If I'm seeking to be happy in life, okay, then I'll, I'll go with whatever I think is going to make me happy, and we make that an idol. So we think Old Testament idol, golden calf, you know, we'd never bow down to a golden calf and all that. We will bow down to money. I will do everything I can to make money so I can have money so I can be happy. And we make money Mammon, the Bible says, we can try other religions, all kinds of different things, okay? I just want you to 
say, I don't want you to think this could be just for everybody else. I want you to understand this could be for any one of us. That idolatry opens a door. Okay, involvement in the occult. Just as we saw here afterwards, these guys came and they burned all their magic books and all that. The occult is this. It means hidden secret things. So if you've been involved in the occult, it's a hidden secret thing in anything. Nicky Gumbel has this phrase in Alpha. If you mess with the occult, the occult will mess with you. So if we open ourselves up to anything in the occult, okay, we give Satan access. You look through the blessing and curses in the Old Testament, it's pretty scary. Okay? So we've got to be clear on that. Relationship things, okay? That gets into all kinds of different things. A lot of it's our sexual purity in relationships. We talked about it before. Okay, you have sex with someone, the two become one flesh. There's a spiritual connection, whether you realize it or not, outside of marriage, either before marriage or adultery. Okay, there's a spiritual connection, and we can open ourselves up. So that's why we take, we want to honor God with our bodies. Okay, so we take sex very seriously. It's from God. It's for marriage. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, but sex outside of marriage, before marriage, all those things that are outside of God's boundaries, okay, there can be major consequences, let alone all the physical things that come with it. We have to be aware of that. Okay, rejection issues, man, that's a big, that's a big one. Sometimes traumatic things can happen to us. There can be control issues. We don't have time to get into all of them. I'm just trying to give you an understanding of how these things happen. Okay. That's the real life. Now, just quickly, all I want to say on this is this. Okay, because we hear the word a lot of times, especially in Christian circles, about can I be demon-possessed? Okay, so just a brief thing on this. Demon possession, as I have down here, denotes ownership. And so what we would say from a Christian point of view is, if you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot be demon possessed. Because the Holy Spirit's the only one who has the right to possess you, in a sense, if you want to use that word. It's not a helpful word. If you're not a Christian, then yes, I think you can be demon possessed. Now, as a Christian either something that you've brought into when you've become a Christian or something you've opened yourself up to, you can be, the Bible says, demonized, and that's, you can be harassed by a demon. But there's a big difference between the two. So we can open a door, and if that door is open, the demon can harass us, come and go, but he can't reside in us. But if you're not a Christian and the Holy Spirit isn't residing in you, then yeah, you can open yourself up to a lot of different things. And if you've got eyes to see it, okay, you can... You can see things. So I know Gary, at his work, <laughs> has awareness to see sometimes some of the people he's dealing with are demon-possessed. It's, it's textbook. Signs and symptoms are all there. Okay? If you've got eyes to see it, you realize it. Okay? And we as Christians can be demonized. We can be harassed. Okay? Now, there's a difference. Okay? So again, not to scare us, to be aware, educated, to understand. We can deal with these things. We're getting to the good news part. Okay? You got to understand two kingdoms, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. You got to understand what Jesus has done on the cross because of Jesus. He came to set the prisoners free. He dealt with sin, but he also dealt with Satan. And today, we don't want to give too much uh, focus on Satan and demons so that we think there's a demonic spirit behind every single thing. Most of the time we battle the world and the flesh. However, if we're not educated and understanding, we can be messed up for years because we haven't understood. I'm trying to memorize the word. I'm trying to get up. And I'm trying to read the Bible more. And I'm trying to do all the right things. And there's still major problems. And we realize, oh, maybe, wait a second. Maybe there's things we need to pray through to get people free. 
And folks, this is, again, the real-life, real action of this happens in our church. Okay? Freedom, the power of God. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. Okay, we'll just say this because time's moving right along. Deliverance, okay, it doesn't have to be a scary word. Deliverance comes, first of all, when we're first saved. So before we're a Christian, the biggest deliverance is this. We're delivered from ourselves, from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. We're saved for the power of sin and death over us. The biggest deliverance is to become born again as a Christian, that you're now a new creation in Christ. That's the biggest deliverance. Okay? And then there's some sometimes specific things that come. And as I said, with discernment, so God's given us in our body, people have the gift of discernment. It's one of the spiritual gifts. And we can discern, are we dealing with the world, the flesh, or the devil in pastoral care with people? And we need the, so we need lots of people with gifts of discernment. That's one of the key things. Also, over-experience. I don't necessarily feel I have the gift of discernment, but I've got some common sense and I've got some experience now behind me. I can start to go ding, 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 ding. Even though I'm very slow, I can even start to pick up sometimes that what we're dealing with here is demonic. And through experience, you begin to see, okay. And the good thing is, um, for myself, pastorally, even though I'm very slow in this, I've got now a few more under my belt of seeing people set free. You begin to learn some things. And it's a bit like this. When I started doing weddings, every time I had a wedding, people say, so how many weddings have you done? I'd say, uh, two. And I'd be like, uh, four. And now I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've lost count. And it's a bit like that with dealing with seeing, pe- seeing people set free from demons. It's like once, it was like uh, once, and I just happened to be there <laughs> twice, and I just happened to be there the second time. And now it's starting to be like, oh, man, I've kind of lost track. And folks, this is us. It's not here, there, this is in our thing. And what happens is, sometimes in the presence and power of God, a demon manifests. Okay? And I've asked permission to say, we had this at our men's weekend last weekend. Okay? We were worshiping God, we were praying for each other, and a demon manifested. None of us were looking for it, none of us were in any thing. It just happened because the power and presence of God was there. And so Gary was able just to help lead in a prayer, Okay, Gary had a word of knowledge, okay, that he, in discernment, to believe God's given him what that spirit was, in the name of Jesus, I command you out of this person, in Jesus' name, and the atmosphere changed, and the person was then calm, and everything, and we did the pastoral care afterwards to follow up, and freedom came, hallelujah. But guys, that's us, okay, that's today, real life, sometimes Okay, as we're going through and we're counseling people or shepherding pastoral care with people, we begin to recognize, hey, through some of these things, okay, they've opened a door. Okay, a lot of times I've dealt a lot of people sexual stuff. People get involved in all kinds of weird sexual stuff, and they've left a door open. We've got to shut that door. Okay, we've got to renounce it. We've got to close that door. Same thing involved in the occult. They've opened a door. We've got to shut that door, and there's freedom. And I'm talking mainly all here Christians that we've dealt with. With. That's the demon eye. That's the harassment. They don't live there because you can think, man, that person seemed normal all the time. They're, you know, where did that? Well, of course, the demon wasn't living there. They were being harassed by the demon and by God's power sometimes in worship. So, guys, you know what? This is going to happen here on Sunday morning. So, I'm just giving you a heads 
up. It's already happened, but a lot of times we try to protect people's dignity and all of that, and we deal with it. But I'm just saying, if it happens, you understand this is in the power and presence of God, things happen. Hallelujah. It's great seeing people set free. And we have to go through the truth of what Jesus has done, his authority, all those things. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we can see people set free. It's wonderful. Okay? And I don't have time. We'll have to do it another time. More of the specifics of what that looks like and how we do that. All I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a freaky, okay, horror movie sort of thing. Okay? It can be done spontaneously sometimes by the power of God. Things happen. And it can be done. We can plan for it and say, you know, I think we need to let's set up a meeting and we'll come together and we'll worship God and we'll go through what Jesus has done and we'll deal with things. Okay? So it looks different. You can't put a formula to it. The bottom line is we have authority in Jesus' name, to cast out demons, and we get to do it today. And it's incredible to see people set free to the glory of God. Hallelujah! It's awesome. All right? And what it does is this. puts the fear of God into you. Every time I've dealt with one, I've gone home and I've confessed sin, and I get my life sorted out because it puts the fear of God in a good way because you get this reality of we're not just making this stuff up, we're not just playing church. This is actually real. And I know I should know that because of what I'm doing, but sometimes when it happens, you just think, wow, this is really real. I'm not faking it. We're not just a figment of our imagination. God is really real. Satan's really real. And like, I want to get my life sorted out so that I'm before God clear and a good conscience. And that's what happened here. Man, did you hear what happened? Okay. Don't think I'll go to life group for Sunday morning this week because I got to get some things... uh, dealt with it puts the fear of god in a good way in us what did these guys do eh they repented and renounced the fear of god went through them it's like oh i got some occultic stuff and i could make a lot of money on the internet selling that stuff to somebody but let's just bring it all here and even though it's worth six million dollars altogether we're going to burn it because we'd rather fear god and be right with god and get rid of stuff that's going to hurt somebody else and trying to make a profit on it, even when getting rid of it. Folks, there's a reality. We talked about last week, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a reality to it. That's more than just head knowledge. That's more than just good doctrine. There's a reality to it. And folks, with this here this morning, what we're talking about, there's a reality to it. Again, not to scare you, but to educate. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you've got to understand Okay? You're in a battle whether you know it or not. And maybe this is the only place you're going to hear it, that you're in a battle. And it's for your soul and it's for your life. Okay? So we plead with you to come to Jesus who can save your life and who can make you right with God and fill you with his spirit, give you a new purpose, a new creation. You don't have to fear Satan, evil one. You don't have to fear hell in eternity apart from God. And there's a reality, guys, as Christians, that sometimes we bring things in when we become a Christian we don't even quite understand. Either something has happened to us, something back in our past. Okay, a lot of times, sometimes we don't even know how it got there. We just want it out. And there's a freedom that comes when we understand the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because the thing is, folks, once you get freed from a demon, you still got to go on battling the world and the flesh, and you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's a reality that, you know what? I might have kept things in secret 
So whether it might be gambling, it might be porn, it might be occultic things, it might be horoscopes, it could be Ouija boards. We can go through all the lists, you know what I mean? It could be secret, hidden stuff. When you wake up to the reality of God, that there's power to God, we bring that stuff and we burn it and we get rid of it and we repent and we renounce. And renouncing is this. Okay, it's a biblical term. Right from the dictionary, it says this. To abandon, surrender, give up, decline association with, withdraw from, discontinue. We bring everything into the light. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. We want to bring everything into the light. Nothing hidden, nothing secret. And not only do we repent, God, I'm sorry I did this, absolutely. But renouncing is this. Now we shut the door. Now I'm serious. Okay, if I keep it hidden in my closet, I'm going to be tempted to go back to it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to confess it, and I'm going to renounce it. I'm going to shut the door, and I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to bring it all, and I'm going to burn it. I'm going to throw it away. You're going to do whatever you've got to do to make changes to live right with God. Because, folks, it's this. It's life or death. And Satan's the father of lies. And he'll tell you, it doesn't matter. Okay, you'll get, you'll, get, you'll get past this. This is just a spiritual, religious experience, but I know you're going to come back to this. You just keep it for a rainy day. When you get stressed out or whatever, or when you get bored, I know you're going to go to this. And folks, we've got to renounce. I decline association with. I have nothing to do. I surrender. We do that when we get married. We renounce. I might have been in other relationships, but now I'm committed only we do that with Jesus. I might have served other things. I might have been whatever. But now Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I serve him and him alone. The Holy Spirit's the only one who has the right to dwell in me. And we shut those doors. Okay. Our time's gone here this morning. But I hope you understand. One is we can be educated. Okay. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be ignorant of these things. There's a reality to it. And I hope you understand that here this morning. There's a reality to this. And Jesus came, okay, to set the captives free. And as someone, I think Aaron prayed out this morning, it's not just to get us free so then we can just do whatever we want. Okay? God sets us, Jesus sets us free so that this, we can worship God. And we can glorify him. Okay? You're being harassed by a demon. Guess what? That's going to prevent you from really living for God. That's going to prevent you from worshiping God. That's going to prevent you. Jesus sets us free so that we can say this. Hallelujah, I'm now free to live a life that pleases God. That glorifies Him. We can be led by the Spirit. We don't go back to bondage that we've come out of. I'm going to pray, and then we'll figure out where we go from here. Okay? All right. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you today that you are the risen king, that you are the Messiah, the anointed one, that you're our savior. And we thank you that you're the king of your kingdom, one that's ever increasing as more and more people know you, are saved, born again, born of your spirit, now Christians, followers of Christ, free from the power of sin and death. And we thank you today that you rule and reign victorious. And we thank you that that applies to us here today in Fredericton, November 27th, 2011, that you rule and reign here that you rule and reign in our hearts as Christians, that you rule and reign in heaven above, that you're sovereign, all things fall under you. 
And we thank you today that your kingdom's ever increasing. And I pray this morning for hearts that are here today, for every person who's here today, not by accident, but by your spirit. Jesus, that you would come and set captives free here this morning. That you would save people. They would know what it is to be saved from the wrath of God, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be made right with God, to have peace with God. We pray for salvation. And God, we pray for deliverance as well. God, from strongholds that might have been from idol worship, from the occult, from sexual immorality, God, from controlling spirits. Lord, we pray freedom today because you've attained it, Jesus Christ, that we can be free to worship and honor and glorify you. God, we don't want to live cursed, Lord, we want to be blessed because we're in Christ, filled with your spirit, glorifying you individually and corporately as a body. And God, we pray that you would send us out boldly, God. You give us eyes to see the spiritual battle that we're in, that we'd use the right tools, God, to live victoriously. And that, Lord, we would help others be set free. God, that's our heart's desire. God, to the praise of your glory, we ask, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth in Fredericton today. As it is in heaven, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.